The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, November 20th, 2022, on the basis of verses from Habakkuk 1 and 2. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. What is something that pushes your patience to the brink? For me, the easy answer is travel. Anybody that has been on a long road trip with kids or had kids in the car on a long road trip, I'm sure would certainly agree after hearing, are we there yet, a hundred times. What's worse than travel is travel gone wrong. I like to consider myself a fairly patient person, but I have never been brought to tears more quickly in my life than when I missed a connecting flight and my estimated time of arrival was pushed back 12 hours. This morning we heard of a man whose name was Habakkuk and his patience was pushed to the brink. He was waiting for something much more meaningful and much more important than an upcoming exit or a departing flight. He was waiting for something to be done about all the evil that he saw around him in the world. It led him to complain to God, how much longer, Lord? Like Habakkuk, we look at the world around us and it might cause us to have that same complaint. How much longer, Lord? Are we there yet, God? Yet the Lord's answer to Habakkuk and the Lord's answer to us is not, we're almost there, just five more minutes. No, the Lord tells Habakkuk and he tells us to wait. But he assures us that the time will certainly come. Patience is a virtue. That's really easy to say to when there are no consequences or when there's no urgency involved. It's something you would probably say to your kids as they stare at the Christmas presents under the tree and wait for Christmas Day to come. Patience is a virtue. You might not say it to someone who is waiting for an ambulance after a loved one suffers a heart attack or stroke. If you said patience is a virtue to them, they'd probably snap at you and get rightfully very angry. If you were to say patience is a virtue to Habakkuk, I can bet you he would probably be pretty upset. And that's because everywhere around him, things were going downhill. Everywhere around him was evil. You see, Habakkuk lived during the time of King Jehoiakim. And if you don't know much about King Jehoiakim, it is recorded that King Jehoiakim did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This was a man that shed innocent blood, who killed his own people, who taxed his own people into oblivion to pay off the very people that were oppressing his own people. Called to serve and protect, he did the exact opposite. And it wasn't just King Jehoiakim that was oppressing his people. It wasn't just King Jehoiakim who is the source of evil in the world, but the nobles and even the religious leaders of Habakkuk's day, 
constantly were oppressing and robbing the common man, the people that were under them. So it only makes sense that Habakkuk complained to God, God, look at all this evil. Do you even see it? Are you approving of it? How much longer until your justice comes, God? God doesn't leave him waiting. He gives Habakkuk an answer. But the answer is one that leaves Habakkuk pulling his hair. I hear you, Habakkuk. Don't worry. Justice is coming. I'm raising up the Babylonians, and they'll carry out justice for you. Now, if you know who the Babylonians are, it makes sense, and Habakkuk knew who the Babylonians were, and it makes sense that he was pulling his hair at this answer. You see, the Babylonians would have made the evil that Habakkuk saw around him, he would have made that evil seem like child's play. There are inscriptions that fall right in line with what the Bible has to say about the Babylonians. There were some inscriptions found in ancient Assyria, uncovered by archaeologists within the modern day, that show the king of Babylon flaying his nobles who rebelled, and then after killing them, draping their own skins over the pile of corpses. They were known to cut off the hands and the tongues of anyone who opposed them so that they could not spread any negative message about them. They flayed people, burned people alive, skinned them, impaled them, decapitated them. When God says, I'm raising up the Babylonians to Habakkuk, it only makes sense that Habakkuk was like, what? I'm asking for justice here, and you're just replacing one evil with an even worse evil? Do you see what's going on, God? Do you hear my cries? How much longer, Lord? How much longer? That's not just a question that Habakkuk was asking, is it? It's not just a question that we ask on car rides. We look at the evil around us today, and it causes us to cry out to God, do you even hear our cries, God? How much longer, Lord, are we there yet? What causes you to cry out to God? The list is endless, isn't it? It seems like every week all we hear about is another school shooting, the most recent one being at the University of Virginia where three football players were killed. If that's not enough to make you cry out, how much longer, God, you look in, at the University of Idaho where four students were murdered on campus with the killer still at large. If domestic troubles aren't enough to make you cry out, how much longer, God, you look overseas and you look at the Ukraine, you look at Afghanistan, it takes a quick Google search to see that there are different evils in every corner of the world that are enough to make us cry out, how much longer, God? You look at the evil in this world. And if that's not enough, look at your own life. How much do personal struggles cause you to cry out, how much longer, God? You look at the world and you compact what's going on in your own life, the death of a loved one, a child with sickness, depression, anxiety. The list is endless. 
God, I know you came 2,000 years ago and you said you would come back. Are we there yet? It's been 2,000 years. How much longer? Like a child that's looking out the window on a long car ride, it can be frustrating to simply look at the world around us, to look at what's going on in the world. And like a child, we, we just want to get to the destination. It's not worth the wait sometimes. At least it doesn't seem like it. But as you get closer to that destination, you start to see billboards maybe. You start to see, we're almost there. You start to see advertisements for the place that you're going. It's going to be great. It's worth the wait. And while God doesn't necessarily put billboards up on the side of the road, and while he doesn't necessarily ping our phones with his estimated time of arrival, exactly when he will come, he does give us something to look at. He gave Habakkuk a revelation to write down on tablets to put up an ancient day billboard, so to say. People to run by, look at this billboard, look at these tablets and say, see what God had to say. We still have that revelation today. It's in God's word. We read a little bit of it this morning. And when God writes down his word in a way, he is saying, mark my words. When someone says, mark my words, that's a pretty serious claim. When you say, mark my words, you are guaranteeing that whatever you're saying is, is going to happen in the future beyond the shadow of a doubt. And yet we look at mankind, we look at the predictions that man makes, and every time it seems that they say, mark my words, they would have been better off saying, completely ignore what I'm about to say, actually, because it's, it's not going to happen. Maybe you remember about 10 years ago that the world was actually supposed to end. On December 21st, 2012, the world was supposed to cease existing. Everybody was supposed to die. 10 years later, I, I can be pretty confident that that didn't happen and I'm not just dreaming. In 1912, a man by the name of Philip Franklin basically said, mark my words, when he said, the Titanic is unsinkable. Didn't turn out too well for him. More recently, maybe you've heard of this thing called cryptocurrency, FTX uh, to be exact. In just under a week, people like Larry David, Steph Curry, multiple celebrities were pushing this cryptocurrency saying, this is the future, buy in now. And in under a week, it went from being worth $32 billion to absolutely nothing. Mark my words. When man says, mark my words, it's not something that we put a whole lot of confidence in. It's not something that we put our faith in. How much different is it when God says, mark my words, when God promises something we look at what it took to be a prophet in the days of Habakkuk, Jeremiah, who was a contemporary of Habakkuk. And Jeremiah said, if you want to know who God's prophets are, every single thing that they say about the future has to come through. Every single one. They could predict 99 correct things and they could all happen. One thing goes wrong, they are not 
a prophet of God. God has high standards. In fact, perfection is God's only standard. Throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, every prophecy that was made about Christ became true. You look at Matthew and it says, according to what the, was written by the Lord, every single prophecy about Christ has come true. God always keeps his word. When God says, mark my words, when God makes a promise, we know that promise will come true. And so when God tells Habakkuk, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, of course we get excited. Whatever God says is going to come true. He's about to say something. What does he have to say? Wait for it. Patience is a virtue. It's not very fun when mankind says that about evil. If the president were to get up on the podium and say, I have the solution to all evil in the world, wait for it. Patience is a virtue. We would be frustrated because we know there's nothing that man can do. But when God says, wait for it, we know it to be certain. When God says, mark my words, when God puts it in writing, we know that because God is certain, we can be certain as well. And we know exactly what it is that we wait for. And we know that it is coming. He says, it will certainly come and it will not delay. When it comes to waiting for this, what we wait for, waiting for God's justice, we can be a bit like kids on a long road trip. I just conducted that experiment earlier. I was a little nervous, I'm not going to lie, with the children's devotion. But I had been reading a book recently on the concept of time. And the author had to say that kids can't perfectly conceive or even have a rough idea of how long a minute actually lasts until they get into their elementary years and have learned to read and write. So when you tell a kid after they ask, are we there yet, a hundred times, when you tell them just a few minutes, those few minutes can quite literally seem like a few lifetimes. And so, like I said earlier, when God says the revelation is coming soon, and he says it in kind of a cool way, it wasn't translated like this in the reading for this morning, but the Hebrew quite literally reads in Habakkuk 2 verse 3, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It pants for the finish line, and it will not fail. God said that the revelation was panting, like a runner nearing the finish line. And so when he says it's coming soon, yeah, our perception of soon, what we define as soon, rightfully is a little different from what God says is soon. For what God might be a few moments for us, quite literally, might be many lifetimes. But yet, God says it. God says it. It is certain. God has set the arrival date. Nothing is going to speed it up. Nothing is going to slow it down. When God has a certain arrival time, when he says it will come, it will not delay. Just like Jesus came at the perfect time, God is going to come again. His justice is going to come at the perfect time. God's timing is a whole lot better than our timing. 
we might see advertisements on the road. We might see billboards. We hear predictions from other people. And yet, those billboards so often oversell what we're going to. They oversell the final destination. It's not as good as what the billboard says. So often, predictions don't come true. Yet, we know that when God says something, that it's going to be better than what's advertised. We know that when God says something, it's certain to come true. God's certainty gives us comfort. God's word gives us a life with promise. While we wait, yes, we're going to see evil all around us. Evil will seem to flourish. God tells Habakkuk that the unrighteous, the unjust will be puffed up. They'll think that they are getting away with it. The evil we see around us, people think that there is no consequence. And yet God reveals the script to us. It's a sort of dramatic irony, so to say. What the evil don't know, God has revealed to us. We know something that they don't know. It's a common uh, trope, a common theme that's used in WWE, even if you don't watch WWE, I'm sure that you'll familiar, that when a wrestler throws the other wrestler out of the ring and onto a table or something, they'll turn around and cheer. I've won. What they don't see that everybody else sees is that the other wrestler is getting up behind them with a metal chair, getting ready to slam them in the back. So the evil are arrogant. A way that James put it is that the unjust are like a cow being fattened for the slaughter. They can eat and eat as much as they want. They don't know what's coming. How does that affect us? How are we different? You look at the world and, and see that there is justice coming, but why aren't we judged as well? We see evil around us in the world, but we too have been a cause of evil. We too have caused hurt and harm to others. Why don't we get judged as well? Why does God tell us that the righteous, us, can live by faith? It's because our evil has already been judged, justly punished on the cross. It's because we can stand before God as justified, declared innocent, holy and righteous, stand before God, and that gives us the ability to faithfully wait, to wait in faithfulness for God to come again. We know that God's justice is coming. We know that it is certain. That certainty allows us to live lives of promise. We know that God hears our cries. And we know that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So, how much longer? I don't know. But I do know that no matter how long it takes, God's promises, which he always keeps, are worth waiting for. Amen. <laughs>